Got uh, a friend of mine, his dad was a uh, World War II vet. He was in the uh, Army Air Corps, which I guess was kind of like the precursor to the Air Force. He flew in B-17 bombers. He wasn't a pilot, uh, he was a navigator. And he was part of D-Day. He told his story, he didn't tell a lot of war stories like many of his contemporaries, but this one he did tell. Um, it was D-Day and they were doing these bombing raids at Normandy. So what they were doing is they were loading up the bombs in England, flying over the channel, and blowing up the beaches at Normandy. And they'd come back over the channel, reload, and go back again. And then they'd go further. They'd go further inland and they'd find the bridges and roads and blow them up so that the German reinforcements, which were further inland, couldn't make it to the coast. He said that usually they do one raid, because it was involved. And uh, you do a raid and that would be basically it. Well, this was D-Day, so all bets were off. And they did multiple raids. Because of that, they returned the final raid. They bombed wherever it was, and then they, made, they were making their way back, and it was now dark. Back then, there was no radar. So they really navigated by the stars if they were flying at night. And it was very cloudy. So you really couldn't see the stars. He said when they were over the channel, you knew that was the channel because it was, there were no lights. It was just the, the sea. But then the hope was once they got to London or England, to the land, they'd see some lights and some landmarks to land these bombers. Well, all of England was pretty much blacked out for fear of attack from the German Air Force. So there were no lights. Anything, any building, any structure that would normally be lit up wasn't. People in their homes kept their lights very, very dim, I guess, you know, shades were pulled down so, they'd be, so they wouldn't be targets. Well, that was good keeping the Germans away, but it was hard for these planes to land because they just couldn't really see where they were going. My friend's father, again, he was a navigator, so he, was, he talked about just desperately looking and searching in the dark, looking for a landmark, looking for something familiar, where they could land and... It was very dangerous and almost becoming like, this is going to be impossible. You can't land a plane in the dark. He said, uh, at one moment, for a couple of seconds, the clouds moved, they shifted, and, and it allowed the moon to become visible. And in those few seconds, the moon lit up England, and he spotted a church steeple that he recognized from previous runs. 
But because the moon now was shining, he was able to see this. And that was a landmark. And from there, they could kind of figure out, okay, this is how far we have to go in order to now safely land. And they did. They landed the plane. You know, if it hadn't been for that church steeple or the light of the moon, they would have landed in darkness, whatever that would have meant. You know, it's interesting, it seems to me anyway, pilots, they're the guys who always get the glory, right? Tom Cruise. Everybody wants to be a pilot. I mean, you don't, you don't see a movie, Top Gun, The Navigator. Nobody cares about navigators. It's always the cool guy with the, the leather jacket and the cool shades who's flying the plane. Yeah, but you know what? If it wasn't for the navigators, the guys looking out, the planes don't land. Sometimes even the planes crash. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king? We saw this star at its rising and we've come to do him homage. Man, these three kings, these three wise men, these three navigators, they were searching. Man, these guys never stopped the search. They just kept looking. You know, and we don't know a whole lot about these kings. There have been legends that have kind of been born out of this story. So, you know, we don't really fully know a whole lot. Some say they were kings. Some say they were astrologers. You know what everybody says, though? They were important. They were kind of a big deal. If they were kings, clearly they were important. They had a lot of power. They had a lot of influence. They got these wild gifts that they're given to baby Jesus. That means they had, they had money. They had wealth. If they were astrologers, that means they were, you know, they had knowledge. There's power in knowledge, right? So these three guys had a lot. They'd sort of be the envy of most people. But they're all navigating. You know what I think makes these guys the wise men? It's this. They were like, yeah, you're right. Like, I got a lot of money. And I got a lot of influence. And I got a pretty good life. And everybody looks at me and wishes their life was mine. But you know what? None of that stuff is enough. It's not bad stuff. But it's not enough. That stuff, minus God, is incomplete. Hey, if you got that stuff and you got God, good for you. But if you just have that stuff and you haven't found God yet, good luck. Because your life isn't going to be where it should be. That's what these three guys presumably knew from their gut. So they're like the navigators in the plane. Like, we, we have got to find the place to land. And they just kept looking. Well, and we know what happened. You know, I saw, uh, I guess about a week and a half ago, um, the new Steven Spielberg, Spielberg movie, The Fablemans. It's 
kind of interesting. Um, honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really love it, um, but it was uh, kind of an interesting movie. I, I love Spielberg. What made this one kind of interesting is it's very autobiographical. It's really about him. Um, it's about this kid, this family, the Fablemans, but it's really the Spielbergs. It's really based on his life when he was a kid. And it's about his family. It's really about his love affair with making movies. And when this, in this movie, we see like from like when he's a little kid until maybe early 20s, even before he became successful, the movie ends. But there's a great scene in the beginning where he goes to the movies for the first time. He's six years old. It's 1952. And his parents bring him to see uh, the greatest show on earth, big epic Cecil B. DeMille movie. And he's never the same. This six-year-old boy becomes like transfixed on what he's watching. He keeps the camera, keeps the, they keep just like, it keeps on his face, this little boy's face, like he's just, he can't believe what he's seeing in this movie. And he goes home and he tries to recreate these scenes with his toys. And eventually a movie, movie camera gets involved and then it's like he never looks back. And there's just these chapters in this movie as he gets older. He's still a kid, but he's getting older and now he's hanging out with his buddies and he's got them, he's making war movies and cowboy movies. He has all of his friends playing in these parts. But it kind of goes back to that moment in this theater. Something happened. Like Steven Spielberg, in a sense, was born in that theater when he was six years old. Or well, the Spielberg that we know, it's like almost like an epiphany. That's what we celebrate with this feast, epiphany. I mean, what, what's an epiphany? Something's happened. It's this manifestation. Something has been made clear. And like, I'm not going to be the same after this moment. God has shown up. God's fingerprints are to be seen. And you know what? I think it's rarely the stuff you'd expect. It's rarely lightning bolts and miracle stories and voices from the heavens. They often happen kind of like in the everyday ordinariness of life. God shows up, and it's our job, I think, to be navigators, to be sitting in that plane and watch it out. I mean, where is God speaking to me right now? What does God want of me in my life? The people in my life, what's God's plan for us? And it's never really in your face. You gotta do some navigating to figure it out. That scene in that movie, this kid became inspired to do this for the rest of his life. Spielberg is 75 years old. Think of the number of people that he's employed as a director. Think of the number of people that he's just inspired by what he's created with movies. I think that moment in that theater was sort of like an epiphany. I think that's how God works. Well, that's how we should see it playing out. I think we just sometimes look in the wrong places to see God at work. The things that, the moments that inspire us, 
and create a, a passion or a drive in our lives to, to do something or to become somebody or act in some noble way. It's like, man, God was lit me up. And in that moment, I realized I need to do something. You know, I was at a wedding yesterday uh, for a family friends of, of mine. It was their, their daughter got married. And uh, it was just beginning. The, the, the wedding party procession had come on down, and I'm standing. It wasn't here, but I'm standing, you know, essentially there. And the, the bride and the father of the bride start to come down the church, down the aisle. And I could tell something was going on. It was like a, kind of like a, you could see movement. People in the, in the pews on either side were like, I mean, when the bride comes down, everybody stops and looks. So that was a given. But like something else was going on. And I couldn't tell. And I could hear people like kind of murmuring a little bit. And as, the, as, the, as they, the, the bride and the father of the bride got closer, I could see it was the father of the bride, and he was crying, like really crying, like almost overcome with emotion. I mean, I've seen lots of fathers get choked up as they're bringing their girls down the aisle. I mean, that's not so surprising, but this was like, I'd never seen this kind of a response. I mean, it was really beautiful. People started crying. They get up to me. I was kind of getting choked up. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. Everybody's crying. But you know what? It was like this, just this, it was like this unspoken expression of a father's love for his girl. Like everybody knew it. Didn't have to be said, didn't have to be written down. You just had to watch it. Epiphany. God at work. But you got to be a navigator in order to connect those dots, and that's our job. Everybody saw that moment. But I think it's our job to go, yeah, that moment somehow God connected. The scene in the movie with Spielberg, yeah, little kid falls in love with movies, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, right, we all saw that. God was part of that. Seems to me that's where the epiphanies happen. You know, I got, for Christmas, um, I got this book. Uh, it's an uh, autobiography of uh, Bono. Bono from U2. Actually, I got three of them. Um, <laughs> people know I like U2, so um, at any rate, I got a couple of copies of it. And because of the book, um, he's doing lots of interviews lately, I guess promoting the book. He's been married for 40 years to the same person. Like, he's a rock and roll guy, and he's been married for 40 years. Like, that's kind of miraculous. You'll almost never see that in that world. Anyway, he was being asked about it in this interview. Actually, his wife was there as well. Like, what's the secret? How'd you guys keep it together? 
And he said this. He actually says this in the book. He says, I think rather than falling in love, we've been climbing up to it for many years. And we still are. Rather than falling in love, we've been climbing up to it for many years, and we still are. I like that, like climbing up to it. Like I think what's presumed in that is like, yeah, like there's always more to get to. There's always more to discover about the other. And he's very honest. He was like, yeah, hey, the 40 years hasn't been all perfect. Well, who? Tell us something we don't know. Of course not. You know, who's, who's, nobody's got 40 straight perfect years of anything. But they keep climbing toward more love. Like, hey, we should never stop that climb, right? It's this whole search thing. This whole wisdom thing. This navigator thing. Finding God at work in our lives. I think it's like the more we search, the more we find. And the more we land the plane.